Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, April 26th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. I'm Broadway World's Julie Musbeck. And I'm the theater throwback's Daniela Parcell. As is our tradition now, it's going to be the last time for a while, but our tradition of Thursday episodes with uh, the three of us is uh, continuing. But Daniela, this is going to be your last theater throwback for a while because over the summer, you are heading up to New York. You're down here in Florida, near-ish me, a few hours from me, but you're heading up for an internship with the Roundabout Theater Company. So this will be your last theater throwback, although our friend Natalie is going to take over that mantle in a slightly different form. So I'm a little little teary-eyed about this uh, today. (laughs) It's one last time. If I could sing, I would be right now. Yeah, one last... Okay, anyway. (laughs) So, um, some other real quick stuff before we get into the show. I was off yesterday's show. Julie subbed in for me because I went to the national tour of Something Rotten. And let me tell you, it's fantastic there. It's ridiculous that that is a cast of a touring show. Anna Pascal's a little weird. But everybody else is fantastic. I worship at the altar of Rob McClure. Um, I have been a huge fan of Autumn Hurlburt for well over a decade, as I've talked about before. Josh Grizzetti, Maggie Lakis, Blake Hammond, just fantastic. It's only got a few more stops. It's got, uh, I think, West Palm here in Florida, then somewhere in North Carolina, then Providence, Rhode Island, and then the tour's over, which is so sad to me. So if you haven't seen it and you get a chance to, please go see it. Julie, did you see it six or seven times, I think? No, no, no. Something Rotten doesn't really have a special place in my heart. I did enjoy it. I didn't love it. I loved oh, the cast. Okay. I thought they were great, but I thought the show was just okay. I saw it in San Francisco, which is not a great theater for really anything Broadway, but it was still really fun. I liked it. All right. One more thing before we get into the news, and I love this so, so much, uh, because apparently at Mean Girls Tonight, uh, Lindsay Lohan, original Katie Heron from the movie, was was planning on showing up. I haven't heard if she actually did or not, but the best part of that story is, is that Tina Fey didn't invite her. She didn't ask her to come. She thought it would be a distraction at the theater. And Lindsay Lohan being the, I don't, I don't know, D-list star that she is now, just decided to <laughs> tell people and show up on her own. I feel like she lives in uh, UAE, United Bar- United Arab Emirates, or Qatar, or something like that now. I don't know. Lindsay Lohan is just so bizarre, but I could just imagine Tina Fey and Lorne Michaels rolling their eyes when they heard that Lindsay Lohan wanted to show up at the theater. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Okay, so we are going to do reviews for the Broadway uh, opening of St. Joan, but as we're recording, they are just now starting to come in. So we're going to move those towards the end of the episode. So if you want to hear those, they are on the positive side of mixed right now, but hopefully we'll get one or two more before the end of this episode so we can give you a fuller picture. Um, so Julie, what do we have if we skip over St. Joan? What else do we have to talk about? All right. So yesterday, the Off-Broadway Alliance announced its award nominees. Yes, they did. And while much of the excitement at this time of year is always focused on next week's Tony nominations, it's important to keep an eye on shows nominated for these awards as well as the Obies and some of the other drama desks and stuff, um, especially if you haven't been paying attention to Off-Broadway over the last year, because if you have been paying attention to Broadway recently, despite the talk of the big budget out-of-town tryouts in Chicago and Denver and Boston and all this stuff, the most successful shows either financially or in terms of the Tonys over the last few seasons, like Fun Home, Hamilton, Dear Evan Hansen, and now The Band's Visit, they've all originated off Broadway. So this really is the feeder system for the best of what Broadway has to offer. So 
keep these shows in mind when we talk about them here. Anyway, this year's Off-Broadway Alliance Awards will be presented at Sardi's on June 19th. And in addition to the competitive awards, four Legend of Off-Broadway Awards will be presented to Joe Bonney, Andre DeShields, David Rabe, and Mary Testa. Theater attorney Donald Farber and actor and playwright Sam Shepard will be posthumously inducted into the Off-Broadway Hall of Fame. And photographer Carol Rosig will be honored with the 2018 Friend of Off-Broadway Award. Okay. Now for the nominations. They only do production awards, so no individuals, whether that's designers or actors. Uh, But let's go through some of them. For the Best New Musical, the nominees are Bastard Jones, Desperate Measures, Goldstein, my favorite name of a musical all year, Pharma Bro, and American Douchicle, Woody Says, The Life and Music of Woody Guthrie, Best New Play, Dutch Masters, Mary Jane, Schoolgirls, or the African Mean Girls play, The Amateurs and Transfers. Best Revival, Artificial Jungle, At Home at the Zoo, Hindle Wakes, The Government Inspector, and Torch Song. And the Best Solo Performance, Bright Colors and Bold Patterns, Harry Clark, In and of Itself, Squeamish, and Who's Holiday. If you want to check out the other categories or need to refresh on the ones I just read, we will have a link to the list in the show notes at BroadwayRadio.com. Okay, so moving on, yesterday, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS released highlights from the Easter Bonnet competition. Yes, we you know we love these stories uh, about the theater community coming together to raise money for a worthwhile cause or for charities or for members of the community that need a hand. But on Tuesday at the Easter Bonnet competition, Bernadette Peters and Victor Garba announced that the six weeks of fundraising by Broadway, Off-Broadway, and National Touring Productions raised a staggering $5,721,879. That's actually not the highest they've ever had last year's highest was above six million was the record but still a pretty strong total anyway shocking to nobody hamilton was the highest broadway musical fundraiser at over four hundred two thousand dollars the play that goes wrong was the highest on the play side with just eighty four thousand big difference there eighty four thousand five hundred four dollars hamilton's angelica tour was the highest on the national touring front with almost three hundred thirty one thousand and jersey boys was the top off-broadway fundraiser at almost sixty four thousand now in addition to all the fundraising totals we also got performances as you know this is something that they do performances on the awards are given out and all this stuff. Um, there's some really fun stuff in this highlight package. You have um, Hamilton and Dearvin Hansen doing that um, Hamill drop song that Ben and Lynn did, uh, You Will Be Found Tonight. I think that's what it was. Then Escape to Margaritaville and the band's visit do a song, um, kind of like a parody of of uh, We Dance from Once on This Island. Avenue Q does a very funny version of Let It Go that is Passover themed. So that's awesome. So if you haven't had a chance to watch these, check those out. It's a ton of fun. And uh, congratulations to everybody in all these shows, both in New York and around the country, that raised money for such a great and worthwhile cause. All right, Danielle. So um, in the very sad final (laughs) edition of your theater throwback, I'm hoping for a ghost story, but I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking not. It's not a ghost story. I actually did try to find one for this week, but uh, you know they don't it. always tell you what days the ghosts are there. So that's that's true. Well, I figured, <laughs> yeah, I figured this time of year uh, there would be a lot of opening type things for you to talk about. Yeah, today actually isn't an opening. Um, today's isn't e- uh, this week in history type thing either, like I usually do. But I mentioned that I might talk about this a few weeks ago, and with the Tony nominations coming out next week, I thought it was pretty timely. So today we're going to go and look back at the life and career of Antoinette Perry, the namesake of the Tony Awards. 
So Antoinette Perry began her career as an actress. Around the age of 16, she finished school and joined her uncle's touring company despite a threat of disinheritance from her politician grandfather. Perry helped with really everything from selling tickets to working in wardrobe, but she really fell in love with acting. She spent a few years going back and forth between touring and sit-down engagements in New York. Her acting career had really begun to take off, but at that first little peak in her career, she met a utility magnate named Frank Fruyoff. I guess that's how you pronounce it. She married him and settled down to a leisurely life in New York. However, it wasn't long before Perry was ready to get back to a life of theater. Her comeback wasn't as an actress, but as an investor on Miss Lulu Bet, working with press agent turned producer Brock Pemberton. The show ended up winning the Pulitzer and becoming an enormous hit, and Perry went on to become Pemberton's silent partner. She did this all without telling her husband, who wasn't super supportive of her theatrical endeavors, but when he found out, he was like, okay, whatever, it's fine, and let her do it. So, already an actor and a producer, Perry decided to try her hand at directing, a job that was really uncommon for women back in the day. Not that we have a ton of female directors on Broadway now, but that's another conversation. (laughs) Perry's first big hit as a director came with a play strictly dishonorable. She was praised by critics for doing a man's job, and the play ran for about a year and a half. Perry continued her career as a successful director and really paved the way for women to get involved in that field. But she still had one more role up her sleeve, philanthropist. One of Perry's most significant contributions to theater was as a co-founder of the American Theater Wing. In the midst of World War II, one of the Wing's first projects, spearheaded by Perry, was the stage door canteen. This was a place where actors could work as dishwashers, waitresses, and entertainers for war personnel. Perry also donated about $75,000 herself to the USO to bring theater tours to troops overseas. Apart from her wartime generosity, Perry also formed a national actor's school through the American Theater Wing, became president of the National Experimental Theater, where she financed new works by new playwrights, and underwrote auditions for about 7,000 new hopefuls. When she passed away in 1946, it was found that with all of this generosity, philanthropy, and just overall kindness, she was actually $300,000 in debt and was just living off royalties from Harvey, her final Broadway show. And this quote from drama critic Brooks Atkinson pretty much sums up the theater community's love of Perry. He wrote, Antoinette Perry was an imaginative, able, and selfless person. There was nothing she would not or could not do, but fame was not what she was after. She just loved theater. After her death, community leaders quickly banded together to find a way to remember such a powerful, successful, and incredibly kind person. And as we know, they settled on an annual award ceremony, which we now call the Tonys. That's so nice. That's awesome. That's a great. That's a great way to end uh, end your run here. Um, uh, talking about one of the people who we literally reference her almost every day uh, in the theatrical community. Yet so few people actually know why we reference her. So that's awesome. Good choice there, Danielle. I, I appreciate that. All right. So let's check back with Saint Joan and see what the critics are saying. All right. We've got a few here, and I'm going to preface this by saying these are all. I mean, they're almost always all white men, but I'm really interested to hear from some of our female critics um, to hear what they have to say. But the only ones that I have so far are from three white dudes like me. Uh, First up, Adam Feldman from Time Out New York gave the show three out of five stars and said, quote, despite a capable cast led by a composed and steely eyed Rashad and including the excellent Robert Stanton in a trio of small roles, St. Joan doesn't rise to meet the contemporary energy of youthful protest with which it coincides. It flickers with intelligence, but doesn't burn. Uh, 
Matt Winman of AM New York gave the show three out of four stars, saying, quote, the play moves slowly and has some dry points. But more often than not, Shaw's analytical vigor keeps the audience's attention. It makes you long for the kind of robust, robust political discourse that has gone missing today when policy is made on impulse and by a tweet. Hmm. I wonder who he's talking about. Um, and finally, Frank Sheck of The Hollywood Reporter says that the show kind of feels like homework. He starts off his review saying, quote, Burn me at the stake for heresy if you must, but I'll say it. Even when done, done well, Bernard Shaw's St. Joan is a slog. And since Manhattan Theater Club's Broadway revival of the 1923 play isn't done very well, it's even more of a slog than usual. The production has been anticipated for the starring turn of three-time Tony nominee Condola Rashad in the title role. Unfortunately, this talented actress fails to galvanize the lengthy proceedings, making the play feel longer than it is. And at nearly three talk-filled hours, it's already very long. So it, it, the first two were okay on the mixed, on the positive side of mixed, like I said earlier. Frank Sheck doesn't seem to like it. I will be interested to see um, what People like Marilyn Stacio and uh, and Sarah Holdren have to say, and whoever from the Times ends up reviewing it to try to get a little bit different uh, of an approach. But overall, I'm a little disappointed because this was one that I I'd really hoped would do well this season. It just seems like a weird one since it's about a huge, hugely important female character, but she's surrounded by nothing but men. I don't quite understand that. Yeah, it is a bunch of dudes. In addition to Condola Rashad, the show also marks the theatrical acting return of of um, acclaimed director Walter Bobby. Adam Chandler Barat is in it. Jack Davenport, John Glover, Patrick Page, Daniel Sinjata, and like 20 other dudes. Um, it, it is a little weird. I don't know this show particularly well, but considering the fact that Joan of Arc had to disguise herself as a man, I, I guess that might be part of the... The whole point of the show is that she was a woman doing things in a man's world uh, that ultimately was part of what led to her being burned at the stake. So um, I, I'm hoping that there is some critical dissent from some of the other voices that we'll hear later, because uh, this is one that I was really interested in. And I, I hope the best for everybody involved, because it's got a cast that I really admire. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. All right. So, Matt, what else do we need to cover today? Okay, just a few things that we didn't get into the main part of the show that I wanted to make sure everybody was aware of. Yesterday, Playwrights Horizons announced that Philip James Brannon, Cindy Chung, Ian Narvi, Taylan Monahan, and Dolly Wells will join Jesse Tyler Ferguson and Jordan Harrison's Log Cabin, directed by Pam McKinnon, beginning on June 1st. We also learned this week that MCC extended Lucy Thurber's transfers off-Broadway through May 20th, and that the Vineyard Theater extended the new dance play from John Kander, David Thompson, and Susan Stroman through June 17th, and if it extended again, I will be making sure that I see this at the end of June. Sticking off Broadway on Wednesday, it was announced that writer, actor, and comedian Mike Birbiglia will return to the New York stage with a new off-Broadway show called Mike Birbiglia, the new one. It will play the Cherry Lane Theater beginning on July 26th, and if you haven't seen his movie Don't Think Twice, do yourself a favor and find it online. It's fantastic. It's about improv comedy, an improv comedy troupe. Keegan-Michael Key, Gillian Jacobs, really, really good. Kate Micucci's in it. So good. Anyway, moving on. The always important Vassar in New York stage and film Powerhouse Season announced their lineup earlier this week. It includes that Alice in Wonderland-inspired musical that we've talked about before from Steven Sater, Jesse Nelson, and Duncan Sheik. It also has a new show called The Connector by Jonathan Mark Sherman and Jason Robert Brown. The return of Jacqueline Backhouse's Indian pa India Pale Ale. Will, uh, that'll come back this season after it had a workshop run last year. For complete information on the season, check out the show notes. And finally, guys, 
Yesterday, the Tony Awards Administration Committee announced that the 2018 Tony Honors for Excellence in the Theater recipients will be New York Times photographer Sarah Krulwich, costume beater, I guess someone who puts beads on costumes, <laughs> Bessie Nelson, important. yeah, and even more important, the Ernest Windsor Cleaners. Congratulations to them all. These Tony uh, uh, Honors for Excellence in Theater uh, really normally run the gambit, and this one definitely does. If you would like more information on any or all of these stories, please check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com. All right, so thank you for listening today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. Daniela, we will have you back at some point after you've gone up and completely revolutionized the New York theater community as part of the Roundabout <laughs> Theater Company. Um, in the meantime, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Daniela Parcel and on Instagram at Daniela Parcel OL. Julie, what about you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Julie Musbeck. Awesome. Thanks again for listening. Julie and I will be back to close out your week tomorrow morning. <laughs>